Hello everyone, welcome to Job Jumpers, the podcast for those of us who jump from crappy job to crappy job. On this week's episode, I talk with my new pal, Reboot. We have a lot in common as we both come from hospitality, both working in hotels and all of the terror that that brings. So we chat a bit about that. Uh, He tells me about his experience working in a movie theater as a concessionist, which is honestly a lot crazier than I thought it would be. Um, We go into his experience in retail, which again, another awful job. And uh, working for a small company that is run by anti-masker weirdos. And that is just as terrible as it sounds. Uh, So there's a lot to get into, and we barely even scratched the surface on this one. So um, so I'm going to do a part two with Reboot very soon. But uh, without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Reboot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Job Jumpers. Uh, you're here with me, Connor Mack, and I am chatting with my new pal, Reboot, today. Uh, thank Hello, you so- good folks on the internet. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and, and you know, taking time out of your day to uh, chat with me about, you know, this this crazy, silly thing we do called job jumping. Uh, you know what I really need right now? I need a fucking blunt. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I mean, it's highly encouraged. Highly encouraged. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know why, but for some reason, I like to get high, but I hate the smell of weed. Really? Yeah. It's I have to have an edible, or I have to have something that's like non-smoking. Well, yeah. an edible, that's what it would be, but I don't know. Yesterday, actually, um, we, were in the, we were in the height of our check-in rush at, at work, and... Somebody had just smoked a fat J and they stank up the entire men's bathroom. Oh my god. And it was like so bad it got into the lobby and it was really bad. Yeah, that I mean that's just you know, for for me personally, that's just awkward because it's like I, I mean, I I don't really mind the smell that much, but I I understand other people do and obviously it's a public area and stuff, whatever, but um but then you just have to explain to, to to people and other guests, like, I uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I know, I I smell it too. We'll find we'll find the uh, the culprit. We'll track him down. Yeah. Um, Especially not even good when we are in like a busy weekend with a bunch of sports teams in your area, and some of the, a lot of them are like young kids with parents, uh, and mm. parents are complaining over and over about the smell. Like, listen, I went in five times with this with a smoke re- eraser spray. What do you want me to do? I I literally can't do anything more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's that's one of many examples in in hotel life where you, you know you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and all you can do is is profusely apologize and disappoint them um yeah you know for me i like recently in my older years i'm i'm at the ripe age now of 29 and um i I never used to really like smoking weed. I, I, I only did it a couple of times, but I'm I'm into kind of ending my day with an edible uh, these days. So that's that's kind of you know just just kind of get it getting cozy and um, you know kind of falling into the night that way. I guess. You see, parents have always taught me. You know, you can try it, and if you like it, you like it. That's up to you. You're an adult. And I've tried smoking, I've tried doing all that, and I'm just like, I, I don't, it's not really for me. I'll do it once in a while, but nothing like 
constant. And I've never understood why people are like, I need a smoke break until I started working my current job. Oh, sure. I never understood that until now. Yeah. Yeah. But this I mean, is like me being 21 and not understanding just a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you don't know until you know. Um, I mean, that that was something that I was always jealous of was the smoke break. Cause I started working in, in restaurants when I was like 18 and you know, I didn't smoke or anything. I just, but everyone else got breaks and I was just the, the, you know, uh, unlucky sore losers stuck at, stuck on the, uh, the host stand. So that was, that was always very annoying. Um, so see, at this, at this point I just pretend to smoke at all. No, I don't understand yeah. the smoke break at all. Like, I don't understand. Like, I get that uh, it started in a culture where it started in a culture of America where the health and smoking was so common days. Like, you would be able to smoke on airplanes, you would be able to smoke on public transportation, you smoke on all of this. But nowadays, I don't understand the existence of a smoke break. Yeah, it's it's of a uh, you know it's of an ancient time i think it's yeah it's 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 not really of of the modern world um and and it kind of sucks cuz cuz it's like you know kind of used as like the only excuse uh a lot of places can can get to give their employees you know a 15 minute 10 minute break like like just give us a fucking break you know just just like let me chill out for 10 minutes you know i'm lucky to work in a place that's lax enough at the current moment where they just where if you're just taking a bag of chips like just stay on the clock it doesn't matter like if you're just gonna hop into the back and need a bag of chips just do it because we don't even have like a closed door for our back office it's just literally like an old saloon door style so you can hear everything that's going on out in the front so even if you're the only one working you're eating in the back because they don't want you they don't want anyone seeing like oh they're a human they can eat you know of course but um, we're automatons it's at least they let you um unmask and and be human you know behind the curtains um so as you can tell listeners um reboot and i are are both from uh hotel world working in hotels i you know have been working in hospitality in some form off and on for um a decade pretty much almost a decade um and i i go through a you know phases of trying to pull away from it and trying to figure something else out uh but it it always pulls me back in um so we we have a lot a lot to talk about um i've (laughs) always worked in in customer service i started out at well the first job i ever had wasn't even customer service it was more of a let me help my dad during the summer do construction stuff. But the first real job I had, it was um, actually in the service industry as a concessionist worker at a, at a movie theater. And that will quickly drain you. And yeah, that, I also worked in retail with Abercrombie and Fitch. I've worked on, um, that I've is... also done, a, I've done showroom floor assistant for a luxury wood floor company. And um, now I'm front desk at a hotel. Wow. Okay. Well, we call it a hotel when it's really a motel. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I I think I uh, worked at places like that too, and just kind of they, they don't want to stoop down to that motel level, but you know no. they're not they're not fooling if it, anybody. If it, says, 
If it says an inn, it's a motel, pretty much, mostly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, before we get into all that, the, the big question I want to ask you, mm. because, because, you know, when you meet a new group of people or you're in a family setting or something and, and you, you you chat with people you don't see all the time, they, they, yeah. they'll, they'll always ask you, what do you do? And um, obviously, they're, what they're asking is they, they want to know what you do for work. Um, it's almost like the Korean drama sort of thing. And what do you do, Nancy? Oh, I'm currently this. And then you have the shady yeah. edit sort of thing. That's kind of <laughs> like what it is. Yes, that's spot on. So, so I mean, and that's kind of the the vibe that that question uh, brings across. Um, but I've always thought like, well, I, I do a lot of things, you know, like I'm, I'm not my job. Like, I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. my job. That's not like my, what w- my favorite thing to do. So taking work out of the equation, what do you do? Um, I am just, I'm mostly a gamer, but that's so stereotypical, but I'm, I'm trying to get into the art of dancing, um, mostly with um, voguing and whacking, which are two underground subdivisions of dancing, oh, wow. which um, had primarily um, r- primary roots in uh, queer urban grounds. Like in the 50s, 60s, whacking started out as a, as a branch off of the punking scene, okay. which um, gained a lot of relevance in there. And voguing uh, started out in about the 70s and the 80s as... Um, queer culture um, began to take inspiration from things like Vogue magazine. And that's actually where the title comes from because of the intricate poses that were made on the Vogue magazine. So um, things like Madonna's Vogue was paying tribute to that. And that's what really gave it the prevalence of that. Hell yeah. And often some of the choreographers on there, I think um, Lily Ninja, for example, he was actually one of the choreographers for um, Madonna's Vogue music video. And he was one of the big names in the club scene because he was, you know, he was one of the house fathers. He was, and house culture is basically, they bring up queer families. You know, there's a saying in queer culture, you have your, fa- you have your biological family and your chosen family. Mm. And so these houses were a support system pretty much for a lot of queers in the 70s, 80s, 90s. They still exist even to this day in big cities like New York and L.A., and those are the chosen families. And they would have house mothers and house fathers who would support the people in those families. Wow, that's that's cool as hell. And, and a whole subset mm-hmm. of culture that I, uh, I I was not privy to. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. That's um, one of the things I highly enjoy doing right now. Um, awesome. One of my favorite shows um, is actually Pose, which is on uh, FX. Not FX, what am I saying? This is my K-pop ring coming out. Uh, but, um, what is the pose? It's called Um, posed. It's it's, no, it is on FX pose. Like, you know, strike a pose. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's an, it's a fictional uh, show based on, um, what queer life was like in, um, the eighties and nineties during the height of the ballroom scene when Vogue would come out and the height of the AIDS epidemic. Okay. And so while it's not a true tale of actual queer people, it does um, take place in a world during like actual events, such as certain riots and certain queer protests um, during the AIDS epidemic and during the Reagan Association, during law changes, things like that. So there was a lot of ground that it covered in that show. And I thought it was a great representation of how queer life was like during then. Oh. without pulling from actual references yeah yeah that's that that's i mean that's that's very cool that that uh makes me think of i'm not sure if you've seen um it's a sin 
it's a it's a british show it's it's kind of um uh, the same kind of uh era mm-hmm. and the, and and the same topics but it's set in britain yeah, I have not actually, but I'm going to look that up, actually. I'm yeah. actually going to put that in. I'm going to send you a message right now on Discord so, like, I can remember that. Yeah, please do. Thing. It's it, it it um it was done by uh, Russell T. Davies, who's who's a really great Ooh. TV writer. Um, so, yeah, that that's great. I'll, I mean, I'll definitely check that out. It sounds, sounds great. That is um, something I'm going to be interested in. But, yeah, yeah. Um, queer culture is something that I... And teaching uh, queer culture that often goes unnoticed is one of the things that I aspire in doing, but also um, dancing, like I said, and um, also have a passion for uh, film production as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Very. And and is that something that you uh, do in your free time or? I used to do it a lot in my free time. I actually, um, I actually found this passion when i was in middle school with um vine there used to be a lot of anime edits for um that people would do and they would post on there it's like i want to do this i want to make this stuff yeah yeah and that's how i started doing it and i eventually like went to a technical school to learn how to become a film editor and how to make film and while i enjoyed this experience i ultimately decided it's not the career life that i want to take sure sure yeah they requires different subsets subset of skills requires different um infrastructure requires a lot of planning and a lot of crunch time that i don't think that i would be dedicated to and if hospitality already gives me a mental burnout as it is i don't think i'm ready for that yeah no i totally understand a lot of those industries you know are are great and there's a lot of awesome artistry and skill that that gets put into it but um you know the corporations really do grind the the people that edit and um you know produce these these shows down um so yeah i, I mean we're seeing that right now with the writers guild yeah exactly yeah um yeah and and that's a whole that's a whole other can of worms but but you're absolutely oh, right <laughs> um yeah. so do you consider yourself a job jumper yes typically i stick with a job for about a year and once i'm like okay i'm starting to feel burned out of this environment i try to look for the next jump like i'm currently right now i'm nearing my year with my current position i'm realizing this is not the place where i want to be and also living in a small town for my entire life i want to explore new things and i've actually been quite vocal on another discord that we're in um i'm trying to become a flight attendant at the current moment oh it's very a cool. great way for me to I've flown all my life and it's a great way for me to find other ventures in this world without while still doing a service industry that I would be particularly good at and also help me train all my skills because I'm a bit of a blunt person. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> and I, t- and I'm sometimes like that to guess, like I'm, I'm not going to be always be the most compassionate. Like, no, this is the world. Like, why didn't you follow the rules? Like I had a, uh, huh my property is a hotspot property and we're owned by a company that is that is um they franchise a lot so this isn't like a marriott or hilton it's one of the other ones okay uh but so we had a very difficult weekend and like i said we've been having a lot of sports teams and at our property we have to authorize a lot of cards Mm -hmm. uh in the hotel industry a lot of uh, hotels will do what's called a credit card authorization this pretty much is, uh, it's not a charge, but it's, I like to describe it as a fancy way of saying a hold. It basically takes the money from your bank account and puts a hold on there. 
And so when the, when you check out of the hotel, the hotel doesn't have to scramble to find your bank account and get your money from you. It's like, okay, yep. we already have this amount taken out. We just pull what we need and now all the rest goes back to you. And they it's take the a bane, little bit more. It's the bane of our existence as as front desk it workers. Is. It is because People are saying, oh, my card was already charged prior to my route. Nope, that was just an authorization. You get charged at checkout. But I, but my money was already taken out. No, it's a hold. It's not a charge. And so some people don't understand that I have to authorize all of my cards for every reservation prior to check-in time. And if the card isn't authorized for the reservation, I have to cancel that reservation because those reservations get filled up in like 10 minutes. I have yeah. a family <laughs> where... They had two reservations, and I was working evening shift. I did not have any control in this, so their reservation was already declined by the time I got into this. By the time I got into work, and so they were like, "Okay, I have your reservation right here. Just confirming information. You have this room for this amount of time. Like, all right, just sign here, and then here are your room keys." And like, we have another room. And I'm like, um, I only see one room on your list. Do you have the confirmation number for the other one? And I'm thinking that they just have it under a different name. Sure. And they show me the confirmation, and it's from the app on Booking.com. And the first thing I see is action required on your reservation. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Because if we can't contact you on your phone, like on the reservation, we'll reach out to you on these third parties and tell you, like, hey, we need this new card. And they click on it and like, okay, so it looks like we canceled your reservation because we tried contacting you to get a new credit card on file because we couldn't authorize your card. And if since you did not contact us, we have we had to cancel your reservation. Like, no, I have my reservation right here. Why are you canceling my reservation? Like, well, we did reach out to you and tell you that we need a new credit card on file. So I don't understand why you didn't add a new credit card on file. Like, if you're seeing a notice from the hotel, we need a new credit card. If it was me, I'd be like, oh, my card's not working. Probably need to give them a new one. Like, or I need to put funds online and tell them like I need to. Tell them like, hey, you can charge my card now. There's there wasn't funds, but now there is. And some people just don't seem to get that. And they're like, no, I have a reservation. I don't need to show you a card prior to checking. Like, well, we have to do this because we get a sheer amount of reservation. Like, well, can I get make a new reservation right now for you? Like, that's exactly my point. We need to this authorize because when the moment we cancel your reservation, your reservation gets pulled up. Exactly. I don't think in this once this is kind of a killer in the service industry, but I don't think in terms of emotions. I think in logic. So if I, you know, the coding, if, if then equals true statement, that's like the backbone of coding. If true, then um, it's like, if I, then statements, I, 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 I've heard of it before. I um, yeah, not a coding guy, but, but yeah. Yeah. Basically the principle is if X conditions are true, then this, if X conditions are not true, then that gotcha. And that's basically the easiest way I can say how my brain works. Like, I don't, like, I'm very dense in that sense. Of <laughs> well, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel sorry for these people when yeah, this happens. Like, yeah. And to be honest with you, in my experience working at, um, I mean, honestly, in any hotel, but especially at a hotel that, you know, maybe is, is not the nicest, but, but does try to present itself as, as being nice you're gonna have a mixture of um you know snotty uppity upper class folks mm -hmm. and you know lower class folks who are uh you know taking advantage of the good rate or whatever and um th yeah th there's a lot of people that that are kind of entitled and i think you need you need people um on your staff at the hotel 
that do have that kind of blunt attitude because um, a lot of people, myself included, a lot of times are just way too freaking nice. And- I, I mean, I my issue is I'm too patient. Like, I'll be on the phone with someone. They're going to be asking me a bunch of questions. Like, they're in- I had this situation once where someone got double charged for their reservation, but that's because they ended up making a prepaid reservation. And then they canceled that prepaid and made a new reservation on, on a different third-party site that was just a reservation. Like, I got double charged. And, like, unfortunately, there's nothing that I can do. Not only was this reservation, like, three months ago, but also you need to take that up with the other third party. And like, but you guys have my money. Like, no, I don't. This is your other third party. And like, and I was going at this for 10 minutes and then someone was waiting in the lobby, like, just cut it off. And like, you know what? You're right. And like, ma'am, I have explained to you over and over. This is the, what's going on. Unfortunately, there's anything, there's nothing else that I can do. And if there's nothing else that I can do, then there's no need for me to continue this conversation. So you have a good rest of your day. And I just hung up. And the person yeah. on the front, she was like, man, I cannot believe you have that much patience. I'm like, it's often to my detriment. <laughs> so there are those of us that are too nice, and then there are those of us that are too patient. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's like, oh, I'm giving you so many chances. You know, like, I want you to to have a good experience here. I'm trying to work with you, but um, at, at a certain point, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start from the very beginning, okay? I want to hear, you know your job jumping story um, from the start and, you know, bring me up to where you are today with, with anything notable along the way, any, you know, terrible experiences, great experiences. Um, What, what have you? So, so I'll I'll give you the floor and, um, and let's, let's, let's hear it from, uh, let's hear it from the, the source. So, uh, like I said, my first job was, I don't like to consider it my first job, but technically it is because under law, I was paying my taxes for it. Um, I actually worked as um, a construction assistant for uh, my father's uh, general contracting business. And I'm going to be completely honest, I slept the entire time during that (laughs) job. They would make me wake up at like six in the morning and like, I'm not a morning person. I'm going back to sleep. Nice. Um, But... When I did work, it was okay. I mean, what I was fifth, I was fourteen, fifteen at the time. Whatever, what were they gonna make me do? Yeah, there's certain um, in contracting, you have to have uh, certain safety guards in place. And I'm a minor, and if I get injured, there's a lot of issues. So I just did Absolutely. a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, growing up, my parents would often make me do a lot of um, child labor for their little business, like, you know, <laughs> sort these folders, it's a little game, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and oftentimes that sort of thing included lifting, and so I was always, despite my scrawniness, I was always always able to pick up really heavy things, so that fit naturally there. And, yeah, I mean, there was nothing really bad to say, I just ordered a lot of McDonald's from Uber Eats, that's the only issue with that. that yeah, I had. that's fair i mean what what are they gonna you know expect a uh, 15 year old 14 year old to uh do you know I, I mean uh i i guess it's a good way to kind of break into it you know you're, it's it's maybe yeah. maybe d- depending on your parents less pressure than than you yeah. know jumping into a, a company with a lot of strangers around you yeah. it also well it wasn't even a lot of strangers a lot of them were kind of were kind of family friends on a way um a lot of well you know the saying that like immigrants like of similar backgrounds come together and all of that yeah 
like like hey oh it's like the football story like oh you're from alabama oh i'm from this part of alabama oh no kidding i'm from this part of alabama that sort of thing that's the kind of mentality that's the same sort of experience i can give to a lot of like migrant families especially down here in florida when a lot of us come from the same like caribbean central american sort of places Uh that's sort of the experience that i relate that job to and they're like I, it felt like, I don't know you people, but they're like, hey, let's go. It's like, I know you all my life. That's sort of the energy they brought to the workplace. I'm like, <laughs> nice. Uh, sure. And didn't help. I didn't speak much Spanish at the time, but I just, you know, smile and wave, boys. Smile yeah, and wave. I'm along for That's the ride. Sometimes. <laughs> um, but then to my first real job, um, this was uh, uh, this was as a concessions worker at a at a movie theater. And um, first things first, that I'm going to break out to it. Uh, this was pre-pandemic, so I actually quit during the pandemic. So uh, pre-pandemic was not fun. I was working through the um, I was working through the box office launches of Frozen Two, um, Monsters University, uh, the not not infinity war but endgame and also the jet star wars awakening like the first one of the new like generation you know what i'm trying to say i'm not a star wars person at all yeah yeah no, yeah um one of the so, the big star wars re relaunch movies yeah and also uh bohemian rhapsody so some of the biggest movie releases yeah in a long those are long- like the most massive movies in like the last decade in the last decade, yes. So a lot of big movies. And so one thing I will say, uh, this was an interesting job considering I have a bit of a, ups, I have a, my family is, uh, what is it I'm trying to say? Upper middle class, so, mm-hmm. or even high class. So a lot of things was gourmet in my life. And then I work in a concessions and I'm like, oh, gross. Everything's all grimy <laughs> and dirty. And so that was one of the things I had to learn real quick. Uh, sh- not everything's going to be pretty. Sure. Especially yeah. when you find uh, dead iguanas in the kitchen. So what the that's fuck? always fun. Yeah. Sometimes there would be dead rats. Sometimes there would be uh, iguanas, um, some roaches in the kitchen. That's always expected in a kitchen. Oh, no. Somehow they kept that thing alive during inspections. Uh, and also to break the rumor, yes, there's always a, there's always a fuck theater. There's always a theater where the staff are fucking in. It's, it's not always fun. <laughs> it's not... That's not it's a myth. It's not a lie. It's not a myth. <laughs> there were two managers that I had when I first started. They were husband and wife. One of them got fired like a month after I got into the job, and it was because they were fucking in one of the theaters. That's insane. It is. I can't and, imagine having um, the the you know the brazenness to to do that and think you're going to get away with it. I guess they did to, uh, up to a certain point, but they did up to a certain point and it's because since they were both like key holders, they were essentially at the theater like uh, like after the last showing. So they were doing like the closing preps and stuff and so they were yeah. able to do it in the theater when everyone was gone. That's how they were doing it. That is But there's cameras and all of that. Oh my god. And also like Brew members, like whether you were usher or like the cleaning people, whether you were, uh, whether you were box office, whether you were concessions, whether you're manager, all that. Mm-hmm. Like after work, sometimes we just watch some of the newest movies. We'd bring like playstations and switches and like play games on one of those giant theaters. We do that sometimes, and it was it was honestly fun. That's right as hell, yeah. Yeah, it's it would be fun. Those are some those are fun times, but 
it was especially not fun because it was not fun working there, considering that you had two hours worth of rushes. So you would have in the you could see we had a computer and this was where you could see how many people were coming within the hour for what movie. It was a database. So you know how in the in the hospitality we have our availabilities, we have our records of all of our hotels, yep. of all of our room availability, all that. It's pretty much that, but for each of the theaters. Okay. Okay. Um but that imagine that, but you had a theater that could hold one thousand and one point one K people and it was over seventy five percent full, like most of the time. That yeah, that's that's insane. That yeah. that is a lot and of people. You'd only had three people working the concessions office most of the time, two concession workers and a manager, and you had one bartender, and that's it. So yeah, just you'd have so everyone so streaming. So short that. Yeah. And um I had like five mental breakdowns in the span of six months and it was not fun. Uh it also didn't help that some of the regulars over there were fucking crazy. I had this one guy who always came in twenty minutes late to get to a movie and he always tried fighting with a manager that he deserved a discount for his ticket because he arrived late to the theaters. Oh my if anything, God. we should be charging you more for showing up to the theater late. Yeah. That's the yeah. logic. It doesn't like like okay, so imagine you're going to a Red Sox game. Are they going to make you pay less because you're showing up 20 minutes late? No. But why would they make you pay less? And I had some people who show up an hour to the movie and like, don't I get a discount because I showed up early? And like, no. Such an insane concept. And such an insane concept. So obviously your brain. a grift too. If he, if he's doing this regularly. It's it's like okay mm-hmm. we we get your game dude you're you're trying to get a discount by coming late and it's it's not it's not it didn't work last time it's not going to work this time and he'd always bring his kid with him and I say kid very loosely because he was like fourteen fifteen and it's quite obvious because he's one of those ki- those fourteen fifteen year olds that are like freaking tall you know what I mean like the mm-hmm. six feet guys yeah yeah it's like. Are you sure this guy's like a fourteen-year-old? And then you couldn't be in a position where like I have to check ID or something like that, and you'd have to give them the kids pack because that's all they'd order. And the kid obviously hated being there. He's like, <laughs> yeah, just stop. And like he'd always say it, like always a pain. Oh my gosh, and that's you'd so get annoying. people like that all the time. I also had um, also really funny. One of my least favorite teachers. She was like a country woman that was like, okay. This is one thing that I didn't understand about some teachers. Why would you grade my notebook? Like my personal notebook that I use for taking notes in your class. Why would you grade that? I don't get that at all. I've never and heard she of that. Of, she was one of those teachers. And she was also one of the teachers like, you only do my work in my class. You're not allowed to do homework. You're not allowed to draw. You're only allowed to either read the textbook materials or just do nothing. And she was one of my first clients on my first day by myself. Oh, yeah. I got to go by myself on my first day. So that was a little interesting. So they threw you into the deep end. Well, for half of the day, because I started on a on a weekday, which is pretty much a slow day for um, for movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a slow day in most industries, but they threw me like half a day, tr- like shadowing someone on a Wednesday and then. And then they threw me by myself, but I, but they had like testing me, like, what do you do with this? And it was a pretty simple, like, it was literally like a collection of like pictures as a menu, like 
If you if someone wanted to pay in cash and they had like twenty dollars, you just click the twenty dollar bill icon. I'm not even joking. <laughs> it was fucking dumb. And if you had card, you just press card and take their card and swipe. That's it. All right. It was Easy very simple. It was a very simple system. And one of the things that we often had to do, we often took the managers like keys. We like. Like during the middle of a rush, we had to memorize. I memorized all of my manager's like codes for like the manager overrides so that I could just do shit without like having to waste time. Like if um like we're ending a rush and I don't want to wait on a manager's approval for a discounted like breadsticks, I just swipe. I just punch in the code and do it. If I need a permission for a swap, I just punch in the code and do it. It was just that was one of the things that they heavily tried cracking down on. They could never find out it was me. <laughs> and now it's publicly known and like at um, the same time that's probably like why you're a good employee you know that's probably like why they they uh that, that's like a, a thing they value is is workers not needing help or not asking for help yeah but i mean it got to a point where i was eventually the person who was running both guest services so i was in charge of doing all like the movie ticket swaps and all of the free ticket like charges i was doing all of the paperwork stuff at the front office and doing concessions and doing like ticket purchases. Wow. So I was doing all of that all at the same time. And they trusted me with that position. And I was the, I was pretty much the only one they wanted on that position. They even want managers sometimes on that. Yeah. That that's a lot of responsibility. It sounds like it was, but, and it sucked Cause sometimes I would, I'm the type of person who gets brain farts all the time. So you just have an order of, Three ices, two, one large, one medium popcorn, two sodas, three nacho chips. You'd have those big orders like, okay, what's next? Uh, oh, the nachos. That's right. You just have a brain fart. Where, like, you'd just be standing there T-posing in the middle of the rush. And everyone's like, move. Like, go. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I mean, when there's a line of people in front of you, that's, that's not a good feeling to, uh, to encounter. No. Oh, and I completely sidetracked. I completely forgot that teacher. She was one of the first people. And she's like, oh, my God, look at you. You're looking at the front. You're here. This You're, you're working here now. I'm like, yeah, well, I come here all the time. You might see me a lot more often. Like, I hope not. Oh, great. I hope not. I never saw her again. That was really funny. And, like, she made a mention. Like, every time I walked in her class, like, you still working at the movie theater? How's it going at the movie theater? She tried. She was one of those teachers that got real, tried to get real close and personal with your life. I'm like, mm -hmm. I hate it there. I don't want to stay there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't um, like that place. And I don't like you. I will admit, I, it was a good job for a first experience in that it taught you how to handle things under pressure. Because um, it did get under pressure a lot, but it was not like as crazy as the service industry get, like a hospitality industry gets sometimes. But there was a few crazy cases that did happen. Um, one of the instances was uh, someone quite literally um, threw a shit bomb in one of the bathrooms. Like oh they coated the bathrooms all over the walls with with shit. That happened a few times. Um, and. Yeah, I'd understand sometimes with some of the stuff that they eat. Like, we had a lot of spicy food on our, like, on our culinary menu. So, they were eating a lot of spicy stuff. And, yeah, I understand that. But another thing was, one time, I actually, this is a very funny story. And I still have the pictures approved. I can show this to you. I can send it in, the, I can send it in our messages. Oh, but, um, God, what is it? I'm going to find this as I'm showing the picture, as I'm telling the story. So, 
one summer evening, I was doing a back-to-back. -back. I was doing both a closing and a, I was doing closing and then an opening shift. Clopener. So, Clopener, yep. Uh, I've done a few of those in hospitality as well, so. Oh, or, yes. Uh, I, I have done weeks upon weeks of those and lost my mind. Yeah. Don't worry. I've lost my mind this past few weeks. <laughs> but, um, what is it? So, I so I had to do um, bathroom checks, the last bathroom check, and I was like, okay, here we go. We're doing this. Everything looks clean. And when you close the when you close the concession stand, there's still a few movies that are left. Like you can be the theater might be you might be watching one of the last movies, and the theater might not be empty. Like you could just stay there, and no one would notice. Mm, okay, I'm being dead serious. Like no one's on staff, and we just trust people will leave the desk and they won't stay in the property. <laughs> so that's kind of creepy to me. But um. One of the, so I did that, so I did the check, and then in the morning, my manager asked me, hey, can you do the bathroom check? And I'm like, I don't see a need to, considering that I was the person who checked last night, and there was nothing in there, and like, can you just go do it? Just do what I said. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, there's no need for me to do it. Yeah. And I check, sure enough, everything's fine, until I get to the last stall. It's always the last stall. Oh, God. And um, I find this, and I'm sending it to you right now. Someone from one of those last movies decided to put in a bunch of giant stuffed dinosaurs into the toilet. Oh my god, yes. It is exactly how you're describing it. Stuffed yep. dinosaurs shoved into the toilet. And I, I walked out and, and I'm like, um... And they're brown, by the way, too. So it can kind of maybe, on first glance, you're like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, so literally, and because I was a minor at the time, so I was like, I was 17... They're like, yeah, we can't have you clean that up. That's like a liability. That's like a illegal kind of stuff. So they had to pull one of the older people who was working, and they had to have them clean it up. But then I got stuck on hot dog duty, so I don't. I don't think it was much of a win. <laughs> uh, by the way, hot dogs are fucking disgusting. I hate them so much. Yeah, the, I working mean, in that place made me realize they're disgusting. Never again. Yeah, that's that's one of my um, grossest things. Is I fucking love a, a hot dog from a, a like a like a Cumberland Farms or a movie theater because I'm a sick motherfucker because oh, I'm deranged and I know that about myself. <laughs> no, the, literally, they'd be put in like you know the white plastic like kind of see through containers that always get like really moldy. Yes, yeah, yeah. The long cylindrical ones. Those are the containers where we put our hot dogs in. That's disgusting. And we just keep them in the corner of the fridge, and we'd only pull them out and put them on the roller until they were cooked, and then we just shove them in a drawer so that they'd stay like hot, like a like a like a humidifier almost. Oh and it was God. always gross. Yeah, no, I mean that that it. does it does sound disgusting. Um, <laughs> that's I I have every time someone orders it, I'm like, oh God. Okay. Yeah. It's the same thing with the nachos as well. The nacho cheese literally comes in a plastic bag. It's plastic in a plastic bag. I don't understand how anyone can like the nacho cheese. I don't. I'm going to get hate for it, but I don't understand it's, it. It's just ignorance. I think people know that that food is disgusting, but it's it's like a willful ignorance. It's like, okay, I know that this kind is... Like me going, kind of like me getting fries from McDonald's. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's like a... Um, um, you know, or like a, a slushy from Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah, just just like something that we know is bad for us, that is disgusting, that was not handled with care, that was not made with love, but we're gonna we're gonna shove it down our throats and slop it up anyways. 
But no, uh, working in the service, you definitely get really, um, you get really sugary sometimes. Like you'd, you'd be covered in syrup and like all yeah. kinds of stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, you really needed to have a deep clean that day. Oh my God. I know Th- those are the worst. Um, so how did you, um, how, how long were you there and how did you end up leaving the, the movie theater? So I was there until right about the start of COVID lockdown. So this was actually really funny. Um, some movie theater drama. Um, Regal. So you remember how during the pandemic, like AMC had a whole lot of money and like scandal issues. Yeah. Yeah. So And, and so did Regal as well. Yeah, okay. This was actually my, my town was the reason Regal had a lot of financial issues. Really? So we were one of the hotspot areas. So I live in a hurricane-prone area, and um, Hurricane Irma devastated our area pretty badly, and Ian also as well, and I can get into stories about Ian with hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so Irma completely destroyed one of the biggest movie theaters we had in town, which was a Regal, and we called it, it was the Hollywood 20, and I had gone there all my life, and... It completely shut it down for years. And then when Regal finally made the plans to like reopen it and redo the whole thing, it was right when the pandemic started. So uh-huh. it reopened in the middle of the pandemic. So they had spent millions of dollars renovating and refixing this theater because they were also introducing things like the 4D experience, like luxury experience, all this Regal stuff mm-hmm. with it. So it was a lot more expensive. Like it was one of the test markets. And so they weren't making their money back with that with that theater immediately okay. from the jump. So they took a huge financial hit with that theater. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. It is. It's kind of what happened with um, Crystal Crystal Cruises. If you've ever heard of them, it, they were an ultra luxury cruise ship brand. That um, I yeah yep yeah, it is similar to what happened with them. And um, AMC was also taking a lot of hits. So. A lot of movie theater workers were not in a great place during the start of the pandemic, but apparently my brand, we had a lot of money saved up, so we were still able to get paid during the pandemic, whereas other places like Regal and AMC workers were not able to, which is funny considering mine is a lot less corporate than they are. That Yeah, that's and that's wild. That's, that's really weird. Like, I was still getting my full paycheck every two weeks. And yeah, I would I not have guessed weird. that. I would not have guessed that either. Like, I was jumped. I was shocked. And then, like, after four weeks of that, they were like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to pretty much fire everyone. We're going to, so we're, so corporate's telling us to fire everyone. And if you want to rejoin us when we reopen, we're going to just invite you back, like, from the jump. If you don't want, if you want to quit right now, just let us know and you're gone. Like, we won't consider you for rehiring. And that's how I quit. I was off to college anyways, and that was a disaster, so I don't want to get into that. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Um, that was, but but it was the right jumping off point for you. It was the right jumping off point, yeah. I was like, we're in a pandemic. I'm about to go off to college. I'm like in a depressive hellhole. I don't want to work in a job that's mentally draining for me anymore. We're done. Let's yeah. get out of here. Like, yeah. yeah, we understand. It was good working with you. Bye. And oh, I've gone cool. back a few times, and they're like, yeah, it's good to see you again like yeah it's good to see you all again too <laughs> well now i avoid that theater like plague i avoid it like the plague is it because you don't want to run into people that you worked with that it feels weird like going back to one of the places you worked at yeah no, is that is that like a mutual feeling that i have or is this like a um no it's i i have always felt the same way i i do i mean most of the places now that that i've avoided 
I, I've avoided long enough that the staff has turned over completely, so it's like mm-hmm. whatever. But um, but yeah, for for a long time after my first restaurant job, after my first hotel job. I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere near them um, just because it was just, I mean, not even that there were any hard feelings or I I was mad or whatever. I just, just weird. I just didn't want to deal with it, you know? Yeah. Even at a job you currently work, it feels weird sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like going to, like, even when I brought friends over, like it felt weird. Like, hey, um, which movie theater is this going to? Like, wait, you're going to watch a movie? Like, yeah. Like, okay. Like, uh, like weird to you? Like, you know, go watch the movie. Like, uh, I don't know what you want me to say to that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just going to watch a movie with some friends and you're like, yeah, go do it. I know. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't have to be weird, but it yeah. is. Um, it was weird yesterday because I, my, one of my coworkers who was off that day, she actually came in to get a Gatorade and I was like, why are you here? You're off. And like, cause I'm in the area and I want a Gatorade. And like, that's, okay. that's always strange to me when when people feel like like that at home at their workplace that they'll regularly they'll they'll regularly stop in on their days off to like mm-hmm. yeah to like get a gatorade or to like say hi like i'm just like i i can't ever imagine being in that place where i would want to come back on my day off just to to you know just to get a free gatorade mm-hmm. i can't I mean- imagine it I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to a free Gatorade once in a while, but I, I do it on the clock. Like you know, we yeah, steal shit all the time from exactly. the sundry shop. I do it all the time, and I and honestly, I probably cause my business like hundreds of dollars worth of money loss from it. I don't care. Well, you they know, treat like, they treat me like shit, and you're taking back some of it. the wages that they've they've stolen from you. You know. Yeah. Um, but so, um, so what was next after after your your movie theater debacle? Um, after that, I moved over to retail and, um, I worked with Abercrombie and Fitch and I find it so funny because I was trying to praise Abercrombie and Fitch for being so progressive. Mm -hmm. But if you know, they had a lot of scandals with homophobia and how they treat queer people. Oh, do they really? I had no idea. Yeah. There's a whole thing with how the previous CEO was pretty homophobic and they had a lot of things. So now they do a lot of things like they donate to the Trevor project. They do um, pride month rallies and donations, things like that. So they're Um, trying to make up for it. They make up for it, but yeah, but it's a very like corporate way. Yep. Yep. Um, I was okay with Abercrombie and Fitch. It was one of those very like boring jobs. It was probably the most structured job that I've ever worked in that like everyone always showed up to their shift on time. Everyone like knew what they had to do to do their job. Management was always around to be reliable upon. But it felt like the most corporate of the jobs. Yeah. Because I, I've never done retail and I, I, I have plenty of friends um that that have and um that's the kind of vibe that I get is is that it's just kind of a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. If you work like the opening, if you work the very opening, they would always like recap you. They would do a five minute team meeting. Like we recap you on the on the on the sales. They would tell you what to push out, what to say, what to do this. They would tell you like all the things. It's almost like you were a commission worker, but mm. you weren't. You were an hourly worker. Yeah. And um, they would evaluate you every week, and every week they always gave me the same comment: "You're great at interacting with the clients, with the customers, but you need to push those sales." Mm, and that frustrated me because one of the other things that i really liked coming from the from working in concessions i was always behind the register and i loved working behind the register 
but they never wanted me behind the register because I talked too long and I slowed down the line. <laughs> but that was, but that was also a, that was also like hypocritical of them because they always said, "We love how you talk to the guests because yes. no one else does that." Like, yeah, like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to talk to them and make them feel like they're 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 appreciated being here, or do you want me to push the sales and make them not feel like they're appreciated? Exactly, being here? I you, you that. can't have both. I mean. Um. Yeah, they they praise people for their personality and for connecting with with guests or customers, but I mean, if it eats into sales, then then oh, sorry, you're on the chopping block. Yeah, I mean, they they told me that all the time, and they ended up just putting me in the front all the time, which is really funny because they like often like train, they often like quizzed us on like fashion trends and things like that, and I know nothing about fashion. I am probably the least fashionable gay person you will ever meet. <laughs> Even worse than military gays. Oh, I boy. don't understand. I don't understand camo. I don't understand it at all. But somehow people still understand camo. I'm going to get hate for that. <laughs> um, I, I, I uh, have no idea um, what, what the military gays are capable of. Oh, boy. I don't even, I don't even want to know <laughs> either. But um, I don't like camo at all. And some people just rock camo left and right. And I'm like, pick something else like pick a flavor yeah um, i mean even if it looks cool on you it's like uh just i mean come on really it's gonna be kind of side topic but i don't really like the military and all that stuff so but so oh, i never that's... really understood like the camo stuff no, and also I... I come from like a yeah. my my culture comes from a very we had a military coup so we're kind of anti-military in a way already so yeah, I'm 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 no fan of the military either and I mean there there's it's it's kind of a tough one cuz it's it's also an in an organization that you know preys on um the impoverished community and and mm -hmm. minorities and um it's it's kind of insidious if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see the need for it personally. Like I understand like public safety and things like that and I understand like why now we'd have it with um tensions rising but that's a different topic. I'm not going to get into that. Sure. <laughs> um, but let's bring it back to what I was... I sidetrack a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. No, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, so I didn't run across, honestly, too many crazy things. But um, they would often train me on, like, on... I was probably their biggest detriment in, in hindsight because people would ask me all kinds of fashion things like, do you have any high-rise denim cut skirts? And I'm like, um... What are you? What are you? What did he just say? I don't understand. I don't know because I never felt like, even though I worked there for a year almost, uh -huh. I never felt like I knew how to do my job. And it it didn't even help that I like hated working there as well because, so, always concession work uh, retail workers always say people don't fold their clothes. It's true they don't. People don't fold their clothes. They just throw them into giant piles, and it always becomes a hell to fold back up. And it also didn't help that I didn't really know how to fold. Mm, yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I never, I eventually learned how they wanted me to fold things, but. That would I, be me too. I always, I am the worst folder. Even doing the way Abercrombie and Fitch does it, I can never have my clothes not wrinkly. Even folded in a drawer, like in a perfect, like in a perfect pile, clothes always end up wrinkly and it bothers me. So yeah, it's something I've come to accept. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm never allowed to look nice and clean. <laughs> Just one of the curses, I guess, that we yeah. we share.
Yeah. I mean, also people, I mean, there are some people who would, who would come into work and they look like a million bucks. And I'm just like, how do you do it? And like, I don't know. How do you look like that? And I'm like, damn, okay. <laughs> and yeah, Point it was taken. very awkward. Oh, one of the interesting things that did happen though. Um, I found one of my coworkers on Grindr. Oh, and, um, that, is that awkward? That we just never, I just never talked about it. Like, okay, yep, that's Paul. Okay, um, <laughs> never gonna speak about this, and I'm just gonna um, pretend like I didn't see him. Uh, and it wasn't even that like he had like a really raunchy profile. He just had like a pretty like standard dating profile picture, and I was like, okay, that's pretty awkward. And then you're like, well, did he see me? Is he gonna bring it up? Is it gonna yes. be weird? That's the issue with Grinder. I feel because Grinder is a. Because people talk about Tinder, they talk about Bumble and how it's like a, you have to choose who. And I, a game comedian, Matteo Lane, said it the best. Grinder is a war field because it, it just picks people based on location. Like mm. if you're within a like if you're within, um, I have mine set for a 30 mile radius. If you're set within a 30 mile radius, anyone within that 30 mile radius will show up. It's not even like the Apple, you have to select that person anyone can message you within that 30 mile radius it's fucking crazy and yeah yeah but i can see how that would cause creepy. issues yeah and not only that you can also see who's clicked on your profile as well so you've often i've often seen like like 70 80 year old men like look at my profile and some of them view and message me like i want you to be my little baby girl and i'm oh like absolutely God. not so this they happens. can they can access it and, and reach out to you even if like you're not like like consenting to it yeah wow they can even send you private they can even send you photos and private nudes unsolicited Damn. it's really fucked up yeah yeah that's that sounds it's like an really issue that they should up. that they should work on it is an issue um i'm surprised they have not gotten sued for that someone should maybe i should sue them there we go no one's could credit. make bank off of it true um but no Abercrombie wasn't like a bad job i just was i wasn't in the mentally right headspace for that place and i don't think they even it wasn't a great job for me anyways yeah i mean i, I, I think that. that's fair it's it's yeah. um you know i i don't think that there's many people that are suited for retail long no. long term um you know, I, there's there's some superstars that just kind of rock it. You know, like like I'll go to a department store or something, and there's somebody You'll there that always loves their see job. That. You'll always see that one old woman there who's been working for like eight years. Yes. And you'll, you'll see like, Janice, can you come over here real quick? I have an issue with this register. Honey, have you tried doing this, this, this? Oh, my God, I didn't think of that. You're so amazing. Yep, like, exactly. How is this? Uh, how? Like, you'll always see that like Home Goods or like Marshalls. Like girl i i don't i don't get it yeah it takes a special breed of person for sure um, it takes a special breed of person. <laughs> so so uh what was the impetus for leaving that position and and was it you know amicable mutual or or was there any fallout there i quit without even having a follow-up job by the way um and i just quit because i thought i was going to land a position with best buy and i was all, also mentally like in, unstable at that sure. period i was um Going into this, I was um, actually graduate high school graduating class of 2020. So there was a lot that I wanted to do on my bucket list for my senior year. Oh go to prom God. was one of those things, and I did not go to do a lot of those things. I so it was already. I can't even imagine, dude. No, it was not fun. It was not fun for any of us. Like the only graduation I sort of got was just like 
taking my hat off in my living room while a slideshow of my picture just passed through like some TV channel. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That, like, this is all that happened. That and um, it didn't help that I just jumped straight into college without even being ready for it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have like really set plan. Like I didn't do a lot to push myself to go into college. I'm gonna be completely honest. I didn't want to go to college. But I felt like I had to because of the old like institution that you have to go to college or you're going to work a dead end job for the yep. rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And especially as someone who wanted to do the film things with with film and photography, like I had I thought that I needed to get a high school degree for that because that's what everyone said. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you really don't. You just need workplace experience. And that's going to be a whole hell of a bitch of a story to explain. Yeah. Um, because in those fields, it's really hard to get a start because you need that work experience. It's not a typical get your bachelor's get your certifications get get this you can get certifications in media but it's not really a set in stone that you need it and in that and, industry too what's what's even more important is the connection you know connections connection, you have with big people in the industry mm -hmm. connections and getting that workplace experience yep um i eventually did get some workplace experience but that was a very messy situation and i left because it was a because the owner of the business was very toxic um, but that's jumping a bit of that's jumping the gun a bit. Um, so other than having some like mental health issues, just needing time to take care of myself and fix myself, it just I was just dropping out and I just didn't want to work there anymore. And I thought Best Buy would be a lot better for me. I didn't end up getting the job with Best Buy, by the way. So they, so you kind of bet on on scoring that job with Best Buy and it didn't pan out. Yeah, I was it was not a good opportunity, and I ended up just going home and. Staying with my parents for a little bit. And yeah. I ended up working a bunch of side jobs. I built some computers for people. I washed some cars. I did dog work. I did a bunch of shit. And it was not, like, feasible. I eventually needed to get a real job. And then this is where I land that very toxic workplace environment with uh, the media person. So, oh, boy. Um, so I had known this person for a few years already because I had done uh, some photo shoots for them. Like I was the model and they were like, Hey, they knew I wanted to get into the, in the industry. But, um, this was, uh, 2020 something. I don't, uh, 2020, this was middle, this was late 2020, start of 2021 when I started with them. They honestly feel like all like, like one long year, these last three yeah, years, it's just like it one really never ending year. It really does. And this person, um, right from the jump, had a very bad impression on me. Um, because, well, right from the jump, I made a bad impression because um, I actually, the first gig I was supposed to work with them, I had to call off because I actually um, popped open my chin and I had to get stitches in. Oh my goodness, that sounds awful. <laughs> um, I was, the gig was luckily right across the street from my house, but I was running late and I'm like, fuck. And I was and I and I was running across the floor and I ended up slipping and I felt like chin first like and I'm like oh my god did I get a concussion like did I get something like this and I didn't feel anything the only thing I felt was like I chipped my tooth a tiny bit and then when I got to the garage I started seeing like red and I'm like oh shit am I bleeding and I ran inside I had a giant hole on my chin and I'm like oh fuck that's and insane. I, and I told them, like, hey, I, I have to call off. Like, I just injured myself and I can't make it in. I'm like, okay, you like, that's fine. Like, I was hoping you would be able to get here, but your your health is important. I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, that, thanks so for the passive-aggressive like, support there. Oh, well, I guess your health is important. I wanted to see you. I want you, you to help me today, but I guess your health is important. I was like, yeah, that was already a bit of a red flag, and I wasn't thinking about that. Like, 
Yeah, you better say that. Like, come on. Like, I like. Do you yeah. want me to show up bleeding and all that? For real. And um, then eventually, I got to sit down with them for um, coffee. And the first thing is, I, oh hi, hi Melly, like hi Dylan, you're wearing a mask, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like okay, you don't want a coffee or anything? It's on me. I'm like, no, I don't need anything. I'm good. Oh, um, but so then they kept on talking to me and. Uh, the first gig they wanted me to go after that was actually a convention in Miami. It was for um, air cargo and like all of the um, behind the scenes sort of things, like how how they handle with luggage and shipping and okay. all that, like taking videos and photos and all that. And I was just a lot of shadowing, pretty much. Okay. Yep. Um, and I drove my ass all the way to Miami for this. It was a they put us up in a really swanky place. Oh my god. Um, it was one of those, it was, I think it was one of the higher, um, Marriott locations. I believe I can look up what the location was. Um, uh, but it was a really interesting experience. It was, shit, what is it? It's a Mar. it's a JW Marriott. Turn okay. Mary. Yep. Yep. So Those are the high end, uh, properties. High end Marriott's. Yes. So very nice Marriott. Um, but uh, everyone was wearing masks, and uh, the photography, we were going to call her Melly. Uh, Melly was very anti-mask. Uh, she promoted um, free health sort of things, and she was like, Free Health America, I think was the group called or something like that, her and oh, her husband. Boy. And funny enough, like when I, talk, when I started talking to her about my uh, friend, my friend was like, wait, why does their last name sound familiar? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, wait, because my teacher, it, because it turns out their college teacher who was, um, it was like, no, it was an algebra teacher. They were, the, he, the wife's husband ended up working part-time as a math teacher at the university. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, they had some really creepy stories about him which was really funny to hear. Like he would often stand behind my friend and sniff. He would sometimes sniff their hair. He would only smile to my friend and say things like, Hey Jason, like, it's really great to see you again. Like, yeah. When they, and they also needed to get um, a teaching assistant and position. And when the, when the guy find out, he like vouched for him. Like, I want, I want Jason to be my teaching assistant. Like, absolutely not. And they ended up taking teaching position with someone else and they tried so hard to avoid them and now it's just like an inside joke like we got a new beck over here oh my goodness yeah what a creep but yeah he would often go on tangents in his class about how ridiculous it is for the university to have all these mask mandates and all this and that he called the, the classrooms he called the students sheeples for wearing masks things like that well, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll say one thing: the 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 creepazoid and anti-mask crossover is pretty Very strong. Apparent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of crossover um, in these two groups for some reason. There's a lot of crossover, indeed, and there was a few creepy things that they did do. Um, one of the thing one of the things that they did was they would often make passive aggressive comments. So when I did have to take my mask off to eat, they'd say things like, "Oh my god, it's so good to see your face and not a mask," you know, like. I hate okay that, shit. that was really fucking annoying and the big things that i don't understand with these people the anti-maskers they're like oh my god it's so hard to breathe i'm like 
Okay, but we had scientists, construction workers, um, researchers, they were all wearing these masks. Heck, even entire cultures were wearing masks prior to this pandemic, and they didn't have an issue breathing at all. Why are mm-hmm. you suddenly having the issue? Either you're just a fucking wimp or, you know, a crybaby. Both. Both, um, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't work in hospitality during this, and I've heard all sorts of horror stories about like how people like treated the mask. Um, I I can confirm it was a disaster, and I I definitely saw some of the worst of humanity because uh, I worked I worked throughout the entire pandemic from the like you know oh. a couple of of my coworkers were furloughed, but I was the fucking idiot that opted to stay on and work. And oh, um, and we didn't close, didn't shut down. Yeah, uh, it 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 was bad. It was bad. Oh boy! Apparently, my property never closed either, and it was a mess. Treating with it, like they didn't really take a lot of COVID measures in place. Well, and no. So, so, so yeah, what, what you know what happens is is you're you're severely understaffed because you know you have to furlough some people because the business is going to drop significantly. So you have like one housekeeper for the entire fucking hotel you have you know maybe two two front desk worker it's 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 just a total cluster like imagine this in some of the bigger properties that have like 300 rooms 400 rooms that that's would be fucking ridiculous i mean my we're struggling ourselves we have 110 rooms at my property and we have eight housekeepers and we struggle to get rooms ready on time like big time Mm mm-hmm so I can't even imagine one person doing all those rooms. Yeah, I mean it. It it was just bad news. But anyways, go ahead. Your your uh, um, your big event yes. with these these um, these people. Yeah, these people. Yeah. Um. So they'd say passive aggressive stuff like that all the time. They would um. They would try and edit certain things when we, we they would encourage like workplace selfies. Like we just finished another day at this awesome event, sort of thing, and like. Oh, and they would try to edit things like, we're so glad to be here mask free. And they would like edit me out of the picture so they could like promote an agenda. That was like awkward <sighs> as hell. And when they did um, have me in the picture, I would often be wearing masks. Like, man, I'm so glad that I'm out here without a mask. They would just call me out all the time. Like, it really isn't necessary. Yeah, I mean, that, I, that I, puts I, you so in a hard. terrible position. And I tried so hard not to like make this a political matter. I tried so hard and it was, and then they pushed for it to become a political matter later. Um, so one of the things that they had like been annoyed at is that during some parts of the event, the masks were required and they were fighting with staff to the nail to wear a mask. And even that it wasn't even a mask. It was just a bandana that they would put around their face or they'd even just get like one of those long sweatshirts that people put over their face. Sometimes it was fucking annoying. It's like, why do you guys like fight this? Yeah, I and mean, it's and the funny thing is, is like it's 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 like ruining your business. You know, it's like you, you don't look good. You're not going to attract, you know, clients. You're you're alienating your staff. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what's is it really worth it? it? It's it's not it's not worth it at all. Like. One of the big things that I don't understand is, and this is really the hive mind mentality that these like these rhetorical groups push. Like you're all conforming to the opinion of one researcher, one database, all these people, like one group of scientists, and like yeah, because these people have trained all their lives and they've studied all their lives to do this. There's a reason why I would trust them. Yeah, 
There's a reason why you trust pilots to operate a plane, not train conductors. Because pilots know how to operate these planes. There's a reason you know why you are the one who trust why people trust certain people to run certain things because they're the ones who are trained on it and they're the ones who understand it. I don't understand the mentality that why do we come for doctors on this? That's exactly it. And you know, it's like why why is anybody going to you know follow you or your fucking you know the blog like that you know gives us all these whack sources of you know websites that were just like built with with microsoft paint you know it's like like this is not legitimate at all and and it's um i i i think it's 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 a symptom of like a very uh deeply sick society unfortunately um mm-hmm. and it it's 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 pretty in complex but in my personal opinion it's the american me first mentality because when you think of other countries they they think of the whole if you go to japan or a lot of these eastern countries they think of other people there's a reason why people who still go out in public but are sick wear masks because they don't want other people to catch sick they think about others first. Yes. Yep. But here in Western countries, we're adopted to have a me first mentality. I think of the First Amendment and in schools we're taught this is your First Amendment right. This is your right. This is you who has this right. Not us as a collective, you. 100%. So it instills that mentality from the jump. Yep, and, I think that's that is where it all stems from, and uh, yeah. yeah, spiral out of control. In hospitality, we've heard this multiple times. It's not the way; it's not what you're saying; it's the way you phrase it. Because mm-hmm. because we can talk about like, yeah, this is how the authorizations work, but people are still going to think it's a charge. You're going to just say, "Oh, it's not a full charge; it's just a fancy. It's just worse." That's why I say it's a fancy way of saying a hold. I don't say it. I say it a whole because that's the way people are going to understand it. That's the way that, it, that it, it can connect to their their brains. Yeah, you dumb it down for people. Yep, exactly. Um, but back to the story at hand. Um, so I had to endure this all this weekend, and then when we got back to our town, our first our gig after that was um, was school pictures for an elementary school, and. Then that's where the issues really started appearing. Um, the school was very masky, all this and that, and they were very fighty. And, and then I started getting frustrated, had some conduct issues, because I'm not a morning person, and I just had to sit down, sign people in, mm-hmm. and I fell asleep a little bit. And when we got back to the office one day, the owner pulled me aside like, I don't understand why you keep on wearing that mask. Why? Give me an honest reason. It's like, because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. This is um this is a infectious this is an infectious virus that not only puts myself at risk, but a lot of other people, including those who are immunocompromised. And I really wouldn't I really would hate it on my conscience to have that on my conscience that I got someone sick because I wasn't wearing a mask. You're like, that's funny. Did you know I'm immunocompromised? And let and like no, I did not. And like, and you see me wearing masks? Like, no. And like this is my story. I have an immunocompromised immune system and doctors told me all my life that I would need to wear, I need to take this medication all my life. And I didn't believe it. And I went online and did my own research. And I found out that doctors say this to push their medical agenda and all this and that. Oh my God. This is where a lot of that basis of people like don't trust doctors come in because we know that the pharmaceutical industry is a for-profit industry and we hate it. And people don't want to support that. And I don't want to support it either. No, there, rather... are, there are problems with the system. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, we do push medicine on people for profit, but it's, I mean, it, it's kind of taking something that is like, it's, it's, it's a problem within the system and then spinning a conspiracy theory around it. Yes, that's exactly a perfect way of saying it. And so I did my own research. I met other people who had the same condition. They've never taken the medicine. They said it's a drug. I've met people whose condition got worsened by this, by this drug. And I said, and doctors aren't truthful. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, I have a basis of knowing that doctors are quite truthful, considering that my aunt works for one of the top uh, medicine developing companies in the nation, and she's a top one of the top executives for it. She's dedicated her entire life to medicine, so I have basis in believing her and these drugs that not only that she made, but she researched on. She was one of the people. She was actually working on one of the. Um, I think it was the um one of the not the moderna but the other one um the other variant of the, the vaccine COVID vaccine yeah it was okay. not moderna it was the um what's the other one it's pfizer pfizer i think i think it was pfizer yeah she was working on one of those uh, but she doesn't work directly with the pharmaceutical industry is what i'm trying to say she yeah. works in, re- in primarily the research and i'm like well this was her work and if there's anyone I trust with my health and their work, it's her. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I don't think that, well, you have that right to believe that. But personally, I think you have a lot of anxiety issues. You have trouble sleeping. You have trouble with your body, with your health. And I think you need to stop wearing the mask. Oh and she God. was basically telling me that my, I, I had been, I was a very shy person because I was very, I was very uncomfortable in that work environment. I was, yeah, and of I'm course. a person that doesn't hide my, my feelings. Like if I'm angry, mm-hmm. I'm angry. If I'm, shy i'm shy if i'm scared i'm scared yeah sure and they knew the things i was feeling and like you should take off your mask because you're constricting your breathing you're creating this fear in you and you need to do it i'm like um first off that is very dense of you to say that because you don't know me and i don't agree i'm gonna keep on wearing this for my personal safety you have the right to your opinion and the next day i told them what you said was completely rude and it was completely uncalled for and unprofessional. You do not know me. You do not know the medical, you do not know the mental instability I have over the course of my life that I have developed to make that call for me. And you don't have the, p- the connection to make those judgments about me. And that was very rude of you. So essentially there and then I told them I quit. Well, I didn't quit right there and then. Um, I had told them I had essentially got another position with a photo processing company who were amazing, by the way. They were a mom and pop company and I got to work remotely. I got a pretty good paycheck and the job was very easy. And honestly, I have no complaints about that job at all. Well, that's, I mean, the the other end of the spectrum, I guess. But yeah, um, the other end of the spectrum. good for you for, for, you know, speaking out and just telling them how off base that was and how uncalled for it was because it's it was i mean it's it's just um you know manipulating uh your your perceived weaknesses that aren't really even weaknesses against you you know they're trying to kind of like gaslight you and undermine you mm-hmm. no it's 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 really just super narcissistic and gross and one of the things that i had um I'm still working on this. We're all working on a lot of things. We're all humans. We're never perfect. And we're always working to change ourselves and fix and improve ourselves. One of the things that I struggled with so much is um, my perception of myself and my confidence in myself. Um, Being someone who is always the face of bullying, 
And it wasn't until actually the theater job that I had where I learned I was it was one of those shitty set, set I was one of those shitty summer mornings, you know, how movie theaters have the free movies for the toddlers and uh, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those and we also had a bunch of summer camp kids come in. Like we were working since seven in the morning to get all these like kid boxes going for the summer camp. And we were not even close to being finished. It was terrible, and it was just me sweeping up all the mess of the popcorn and all the dirty boxes and oh. some diapers, even. Jesus um, that's some of the things that people do in movie theaters. They just throw their shit around. Um, it's fucking gross. But I just like, why do I listen so much to what other people say? And I think back to that moment a lot. Like, I didn't let what they said about me consume me. And I, I take a lot of pride in that. As you should. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's as Americans too, as as workers, we are kind of trained to, you know, sacrifice for the job. Yes, exactly. S- sacrifice, be a team player, even if that means, um, mm-hmm. you know, going against your core beliefs or putting your health at risk. You know, and mm-hmm. it's it's totally um, unacceptable. And so I think we've all done this at some point in time this is something that we learned quickly and this has actually been a huge contention between me and my father because um we went to spain last summer and my parents would not shut up about how people in spain constantly eat they're constantly relaxing they're constantly like taking time out of their day to meet with friends get a bite to eat just enjoy life and like do they ever work at all like yeah they work and like well they have to work to live because we because i like to live to work and it's that mentality change yeah we were arguing the nerve of them trying to enjoy their lives the nerve exactly and we've seen this on tiktok all the social media people in the service industry having like people complain because you're trying to take your days off to enjoy your days for yourself like the little celebrations like your birthdays an anniversary things like that and then people are like well i need my hair service that day i need this done that day i needed you to be there mm-hmm. why wouldn't you be available this is completely unprofessional that you didn't take your time off for me and it all goes back to the like i said that um that mentality of us thinking that things are for us like we need to have things cater to us yep yep and i it's <sighs> It's like super insidious because they they kind of twist it in a way that um, make you think that like oh, you're not doing your job. You're it's not doing your job. You're not, you're not being a team job. player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're not you know doing good on 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 your 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 promise to your coworkers. Like it's it's mm-hmm. just you see that toxic boss trait where people yeah. are where the boss says, "Oh, I need you to come in. Someone had to call off, and we're understaffed. We need you to fill in." And like, I can't fill in. I have obligations to fulfill. And they're like, "Well, you said you were flexible on your application." Yeah, I'm. Yeah, and there's a lot more people that are realizing you can say, "Yeah, I'm flexible when the time allows for it," but when I have pre pre um assigned obligations or obligations that i've already committed to i can't be flexible yeah i mean it's it's just not possible if if you want to be a self-actualized human being with a life and friends and family um i mean it's it's uh it seems like that that does get in the way of Mm -hmm. uh being you know a star employee at, at a lot of these places and there's three um there's three TikTokers that I um, 
there's two, three TikTokers that I like think a lot about. Um, Lo Whaley, she does a lot of uh, corporate TikToks, like people in the corporations, and um, like pushing for take time off for yourself. Don't dedicate your life to your job. Have that work life balance. She's one that I took a lot of lessons from, like especially with this current job, because there were, I'm the type of person who sometimes pushes too much of my life into my job, and I make my life my job. And I need to stop doing that. And I recognize that. Yeah. And I have to value the few days off that I do have. Definitely. And so she pushed that. There's also um, Siri Sparks. Um, she's a hairstylist um, on TikTok. And she pushes a lot of these Karen stories. And how ridiculous some of these people are. Like one of the stories that I use as an example was that people are like, how dare you take time off for your birthday when I need my hair styled? Like you're so inflexible. This is so serious. And just list the crazy demands that some people have. And also Jessica Vanell to push it back to where we work um, in hospitality. You've probably seen her in Tales of the Front Desk. Um, okay, her yep. stuff, um, where she One of the things that she highlights is that us as hotels, like we've created these loyalty programs. And these loyalty programs are not a hotel exclusive thing. This is like a whole society sort of thing. Yep. And this problem is a systemic foundation. But hotels receive this. Hotels and airlines, like any transportation service. I feel like receive this on a fair amount more than like like one stop shop sort of places like Best Buy mm. or Starbucks. Like I'm a loyalty member. I deserve an upgrade. I'm a loyalty member. I deserve some kind of privilege. And we yes. reward these bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. I have people who come. We have people who come in like, oh, I'm a Best Western Rewards member, or I'm a Hilton member. I'm this. I'm that. I deserve an upgrade. Like I can't guarantee. I can't guarantee that. That's based on a. Ba- that's based on if we have the accommodation to make that. Yes. Like and... I've gotten that request more. Like this past yeah. few weeks, we've dropped our prices because here in Florida, our season is the winter time because that's when a lot of northern people, northerners, and a lot of Canadians come down to escape the cold months. We call them snowbirds. Okay. And those snowbirds come down a lot during the winter time to be with family and they and they drive us up the wall with reservations yeah, and so after easter when they all start going back when springtime hits they go back to the north and we are able to lower our prices but that's a double-edged sword because like i said we can have all these sports teams come up and oh my god we have a lowered price and now we have a lot of people booking rooms and now they're starting to become crazy and yeah we get I have these German people who are... Germans are the worst. I will say people say French are the worst. No. Germans <laughs> are the worst, in my opinion. Because they are very... They're very... They do not... What is the phrase where... Um, they're, they don't change their mind at all. Like, they're, they're, they're very stuck in the mud. Okay, yeah. That's what Germans are. Um, I've heard of not, this... They're in... not a pushover. That's yeah. what I'm trying to think. I've I've heard of bands touring through Europe and just having terrible experiences uh, with like, no. like German fans and stuff. I've like, had, and this is what happened actually this weekend where I had to can't where when I canceled when I was saying earlier when I canceled those people when we canceled those people booking because their credit card was authorized. This is the thing that Germans do all the time. They say this is my reservation right here. It says I have a king room. Why do I have a double room? This is not right. This is what the paper says. It's like. And then you have to explain to them that a lot of times they book with Booking.com or Expedia. And these third-party sites, when you book with them, they don't guarantee your room type at all. You're paying them money to make your reservation, but they can't guarantee that that reservation can be made the same way you want it to. And so you have to explain to these people, 
Listen, when you book that reservation with booking.com, they it's listed in their terms and conditions. Like they do their best to make that room a king room for you, but that they can't, they can't make that king room. They'll still push your reservation forward, but they'll give you a different room type. Exactly. And these people don't understand. It's the entitlement, all of this and, and that. They, they, they refuse to understand, really, because no. it is... And I've, I've spoken on this, uh, you know, a lot on this podcast. It's, it's kind mm. of, um, you know, the in, since the inception of the customer is always right motto... Um, it's not. It, no, I mean, obviously not. But that, that mentality has just grown um, and become a, uh, you know, a two-headed monster. And, mm-hmm. and it, I mean leads to people thinking that um that yeah they they are entitled to everything that the people that they are interacting with whether it be uh front desk workers servers at restaurants retail mm-hmm. workers i mean they, they they don't see them as humans exactly and it's that um and it's not e- that's not even the saying actually like people have have misconstrued the actual saying and this was created by Ritz Carlton it's the customer is never wrong it's not that the customer is always right it's that mm. they're never wrong that's the saying um and i was talking about this and it's like people just have this mentality and it's fucking ridiculous and when pe- when i'm talking to my coworkers sometimes i'm very headstrong about things and they're like had this debate with my coworker and he was mad that we canceled those reservations like why did we cancel those reservations like imagine you're going to you're going to a vacation and then you have your reservation canceled and you show up and they tell you your reservation canceled what do you do and i say i ask why my reservations canceled and if they tell me i didn't have funds on my credit card to authorize and they tried contacting me i'd understand because they did their effort they told me how to keep my reservation and i didn't do my part i don't and they're like Oh well, no, you. That's not what they're thinking at all. Like, and no. this is where I start having that logic issue because a lot of people are emotionally driven. Like, you see this a lot in court cases. Lawyers will play to the eat. There's the three terms: ethos, logos, and pathos. Um, ethos is um, logos is the logic. Ethos is the emotion, and pathos. I don't remember what pathos is, but it's the three terms of what you do in a debate. Okay. Ethos, logos, and those. Trying I'm to appeal look- to people's different different yeah. uh, senses. appeals to the audience reason, building up logical arguments. Ethos appeals to the speaker's status or authority, making the audience more likely to trust them. And pathos appeals to the emotions, trying to make the audience feel angry or sympathetic. So they'll often, often play to the pathos side of things, um, trying to make the audience. So like in a murder case, remit, like we saw this in a presidential debate once. Um, so one of the presidential debate candidates, they were talking about um, the death penalty and whether it should be instated or not. And one of the political candidates um, played to logos. He played to logic. The death penalty doesn't work and said we need to rehabilitate these people and all of that. But then the other political candidate played to the emotional side of card, the pathos. And he said, well, you see what my candidate did just there? He said he doesn't want to kill the person that killed your child. He wants them to live. He wants them to be reformed. But how can you trust that person again? They've already done it once. It's that sort of mentality yep, yep. that I don't understand. And in a way, like, I, yeah, I do get emotional over things. Like, I mean, you cry over deaths and things like that. But in terms of people get on a vacation mode, they get into a travel mode. And I tell them, I guess, like, you're in your travel mode. Like, you're in your travel logic. You don't, you're not thinking straight. And we have this complaint all the time about the air conditioning. Like, people don't understand air conditioning at a hotel. Like, just press the button. It's not that hard. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's 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 kind of they're they're already in the mindset that everything is going to be um, done for them and served on a silver platter. Um, mm-hmm. When no, you're actually still a human being that's responsible for your own actions, and you might have to do some things for yourself. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna live. I promise. Yeah. And you just have the people like, oh, my God, this just puts a whole damper on my whole vacation. You're ruining my whole vacation. And it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you're you're the one that's letting this minor inconvenience ruin your vacation. You spent thousands of dollars on. Yeah. So and I understand the mindset. You work your entire year to have the perfect vacation for two weeks. And then there's that slight hiccup that you didn't expect for. And it creates a little stick in the mud. And that little stick in the mud can bother you to a really insane point. But that's life. Life just creates these silly things. Like, nothing's going to go perfect. You see this all the time in other industries as well. Aviation. Aviation always gets delays. You're never going to... You're not guaranteed to get to your de- destination on time. There's mm-hmm. weather delays. There's many. There's um, technical delays. There's um, security delays. There's all sorts of delays. You see this in the cruise industry all the time where weather permits the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The um, itinerary of your tr- of your cruise is not going to be guaranteed. And actually, there was a there's actually a lawsuit that's that um, I believe is trying to be pushed right now to one of the one of the shipping companies. I think it's Celebrity, where they had to um, or no, it's Princess. My bad. They had to change the itinerary for someone. They had to change the itinerary of one of the cruises, and the person wanted a refund because one of the destinations that they canceled was so important to him. It was like a family historic mines historic family place Mm -hmm. and they were not going to give him a full refund for the cruise because it was so it was um only a certain amount of time until the cruise and they were only gave him a partial 25 percent refund and he was pissed off about that he went to lawyers agencies travel insurances trying to get that fixed but it's this mentality that you are in the right you deserve all this and you also see it on tiktok all the time people are like what are you telling me my airplane left without me my cruise left without me yes because they have, we have places to go. We have places yeah. to be. We can't wait on this. Because in reality, in the terms of logic and things, airlines, they want to push out on time because they're paying for that slot to be at the airport for that length of time. They're paying for that slot to be at that gate. And, and they want to get out of that gate as soon as possible because anytime they're not in the air, they're not making money. Yeah, yeah. Anytime they're at that gate, they're spending money to be at that gate. And every time they're, they're going past their slot to be at that gate, they're spending extra money to be there. It's a fee to be there every, every minute, and it's not worth it. And there are a hundred other people that that uh, you know got there on time and and mm-hmm. need to get to their destination on time. You know, that's it's, true. There's um, there's this old um documentary or um series that followed the life of crew at airport and on on avi of aviation staff, whether they were baggage carriers, whether they were check-in agents, whether they were flight attendants. It's called um air air airlines. Okay. I think it's what it's and it was amazing. It, it started off as a British um, series in the 80s, and it followed um, Britannica and uh, EasyJet Airways, and and then they had um, a newer version in the early 2000s that followed the life of Spirit employees, and not Spirit, um, Southwest, and the difference is night and day between how the Europeans act when there's an issue versus when there's an issue with the American side of things. Wow. I mean, like you said, people like they had situations where people missed their connecting flight and they're like, well, there was 10 people on that flight who were making that connection and all of them made it except for you. So I don't know what's going on. I'm not trying to say it's you who 
or slow or anything like that. And like, well, you guys should have hold the plane for me. I was trying to make it over. Like, well, all these other people made it. I don't understand, sir. Yeah, exactly. It's not our responsibility to, uh, you know, make sure you get to the flight that you booked and, and, you know, you chose the flight and you chose when and where and how and uh you know i mean it's it's just we're not babysitting you um but yeah so so ah oh man i i feel like there's there's so much that we have not got to and we do have to wrap it up uh, uh i'm sorry i oh, no, you're I good. no you're good I this, has been, this has been a fucking awesome conversation um it's, it is so just quickly before because because i feel like at, at this point if if you'd be so obliged i i'd love to have you back on definitely um, to to you know talk more about the the next chapter of your story and hotels and stuff mm-hmm. i think that would be awesome yeah because um, honestly the hotel side of things where things get really juicy and there was a few things i didn't i missed from the from the movie theater now that i think back on it i got to the one big story i want to talk on but there was another story that i should have been fired over that i couldn't oh jesus oh man okay all right so we're gonna have a part two we're gonna have a part two and uh let's 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 uh plan for it sooner than later um but reboot um while you're here still before you wrap up is there anything that you wanted to shout out any plugs you want to uh make um not really i'm not really much big on social media things like that i just sure. live my life you might see me in the air one day uh don't come down to south florida you'll hate it <laughs> uh but yeah it's been fun being here i've had a good time and also just treat service workers with respect just don't come in acting like a like a bitch like a boss because uh, that's my yes. attitude that's not for you <laughs> <laughs> i know i know yeah, they're, 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 yeah it's not big enough for the two of us um, no it is not Ah oh, man, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a delight. Um, I'm super psyched to have you back on. Um, and yeah, you know, good luck with with uh, flight attendant trajectory. I, I I think you can do it. I know I can. I got rejected already by several airlines, but you just got But people have told me you just got to keep on pushing. It's not yeah. like one something that you're. It's a. It's not a no immediate. It's not a no forever. It's no. a no for. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's one of the industries that that you do just have to keep on trying. And it's... and honestly, I've been in touch with other flight attendants and other like people who are trying to become. And it's honestly a great group of people to work with because they're just very uplifting and they're very like um, positive mentally. Like they keep on pushing for you to go. Like don't give up. Keep trying. That's awesome. And I'm gonna keep on trying. Uplifting, um, metaphorically and literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey. Thank you so much again, and have a good rest of your night, and uh, we will talk soon. Definitely. Awesome. All right. See ya. Bye now. All right. There you have it, folks. Thank you again to Reboot for taking the time out to chat with me. I look forward to part two of our conversation, where I hope we can dive into the hell that is working at hotels, Um, because I'm sure we both have a wealth of uh, fucked up stories. Um, If you are a job jumper and you are interested in being on the podcast or if you want to just submit your story, please email me at jobjumperspod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Um, If you liked what you heard or you just feel passionate enough to, uh, you know, rate it or review it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and, you know, rate and review our podcast good or bad 
You can find us on social media at Job Jumpers Pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, until next time, keep jumping. <laughs>